If you're one of those people who like you left the church a long time ago because you got sick of them talking about money and you decided to come back today, your worst dreams have come true. <laughs> and I'm sorry, uh, but that's just the way that it flies. Um, we're going to talk about money today because it's important. Uh, you know what? Uh, Chad, Chad, our, our, our lead pastor once said, hey, in a family, if you couldn't talk about money, there would be problems. And so again, here, uh, if we can't talk about money with our church family, then, then we're, we're in uh we're in deep doo-doo, right? That's, it's important that we talk about that type of stuff. And it's more important because Jesus talks about it. And so we've actually compiled several of the areas where Jesus talks about money in uh, the book of Matthew, um, where he ties it to our hearts. And so uh, this morning, we're going to fly because I preached too long at the last service. And there's, there's a lot of stuff that we could talk about when it comes to money, about, about tithing and giving and how should we give and where should we give and when should we give. And so we are going to put tons of resources out via Facebook and via Twitter and on our blog this week. And so if you don't connect with us, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, you can search Cuyahoga Valley Church. You can go to cvconline.org. And if you have problems and you'd like to talk to me, like, I don't agree with that guy, I would love to talk to you. Call the church, ask for the bald guy, and you'll get about five of us. But then say, Joe, if you, if you say, Joe, you'll get me, okay? Um, so let's pray real quick, and we're going to dig in. Father, we need your help, we need your grace, and we need your mercy, uh, because we, we don't want to be greedy people. We want to be generous people. And so would you come? Would you help us? Would you uh, help me to teach without error that I would uh, present your word diligently? In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, today we're going to talk about generosity. And so we're not, what we're not going to talk about um, in, the, in the realm of financial fitness is how to get your finances in order, uh, how to do a budget, how to save for retirement. If you want to do those things, we have some opportunity for you to do that. There's a life group that's actually starting that is led by Ron Dick. Here it starts next weekend. Uh, you can find information about that, again, on the web. I believe it's in your program, or if you grab the Community Life uh, you know, booklet out there, it's a great way for you to, if, if, if you're stretched, if your budget's not in order, if you need to know how to manage your finances, we want to help you do that in a Christ-honoring way. So you can sign up for that life group. But what we're going to really concentrate on, on here this morning is, is the heart, because Jesus talks to rich people in the New Testament a lot. And so whether you might be the poorest person in this room, and if you're in this room, I would consider you rich because we live in America, and we probably had a meal today, and we have a roof over our head, and it's warm in here, okay? So we're just going to move forward assuming that we are the people that Jesus is talking about, and he says, you need to be really careful. You need to be really careful. He actually says several times, woe to the rich, because what we can have a tendency to do is to replace our faith in Jesus Christ with our money. If everything is okay, I don't need faith in Jesus Christ. And so I'm hoping that from this text this morning, we can begin to fight some uh, of those wrong impulses and wrong, uh, wrong ways of understanding our money, because I'm here to convince you that if Christ is in you, generosity will come out of you. If you are a Christian generosity will come out of you. And if you're not a Christian this morning, if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, my goal in this message this morning, though we're just gonna talk about money, is I'm gonna try to convince you that Jesus Christ is the most generous person ever in the entire world, and you would be crazy not to take his generosity. Let's dig in. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 
And just to give you a quick bit of background, what is happening is the saints at the church in Jerusalem are undergoing a very difficult time. They're under persecution. They're extremely poor. And what Paul has done is he sent a letter ahead to the, uh, the Gentile churches to ask them for help, to ask them to take collections. And he was going to come around and he was going to collect them. And so here he is. He's probably in Macedonia. You're going to hear uh, about two groups of people, the Macedonians and the Corinthians. And so if you look up here, this is like this little section of the Roman Empire and Macedonia is to the north. And you'll see a little dot that says Thessalonica, right? Thessalonians. Also up there are, is the Berean church and the Philippian church. And then if, so Paul's up there when he's writing, he's going to come down to the southwest, down towards Athens and Sparta, and down on the peninsula is where Corinth is. So he's, he's in the Macedonians. He's going to use the Macedonian church as an example to the Corinthians as he goes down and begins to speak to them. So he sends this letter ahead of him. And here's what he says, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So if you're taking notes, the first point is generosity is a result of grace. You see, Paul doesn't start his letter out here saying, I want you to know, brothers, about all of the money that the churches in Macedonia gave to the relief fund. Right? He doesn't say that. He says, I want you to know about the grace that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. And he says this mainly because Generosity is not about giving money primarily. Generosity is a heart issue. And so what you can't do today is go, man, that Joe, he really fired me up. I'm going to go and I'm going to give to an orphanage and go, ha ha, click, click, click. Oh, you know, put in your you know, credit card number. Look at me. I'm generous. I did it. Good. You can't do that any more than a liar could tell a few truths and go, I'm not a liar anymore right? Because there's no heart change that has really taken place. In order for us to be generous, truly biblically generous, the Holy Spirit has to do something, has to work grace in our hearts so that what would come out is true hands that are open to people. And so that's why Paul starts with this generosity. N.T. Wright, who is a scholar in England, maybe the best New Testament scholar alive right now, says this, what does it mean that God gave this grace to the churches in Macedonia? It didn't simply mean that, that, that they had what we would call a wonderful spiritual experience. It meant that under an impulse which came from God himself, they gave money with almost reckless generosity. And so if you're here this morning, you're pro like you're in, you're somewhere in the, in the scope of generosity. Maybe you're a one, maybe you're a two, maybe you're a seven or an eight. I don't know many people who are at a 10. So my hope this morning is that the Holy Spirit would work in us grace that would move us along in, the, in, 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 in our growth on the scale of generosity. Because if Christ is in us, generosity will come out of us. You know, I grew up in a very generous household. My mom and dad never made a whole lot of money, but they were always, they were always very generous people. My mom, even to this day, like if there's a thing at church or a kid needs to go to summer camp, they don't even go to this church. But if a kid needs to go to summer camp here, I've known my mom to just take out a hundred dollar bill and hand it to me. 
And my parents aren't living in the lap of luxury. They're living in a one-story house with my grandma, right? Like, it's not like my parents have cash, hey, what, you know, whatever you need. But they're generous people. And I grew up in that. I grew up watching my parents be generous. And yet, for some reason, I ended up at this intersection of my life. At the end of college, I was getting ready to get married, and I was not that. I was not a generous person. In fact, I would probably argue that I was greedy. And what happened is my then fiance, who is now my wife, said to me, I will not marry a man who will not give to God what belongs to him. And I was like, fine. If that's what it takes for you to marry me, I'll start giving some money to the church. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of weave my story in here, but that's where I was, okay? That's where I was. I needed grace. I needed grace. Like Linda, Linda had said, I, I want you to give money because that's the kind of man that I wanna marry. And I started giving money, but I was still not the kind of man that she should have married, right? Not to say that it was a bad idea. <laughs> Me giving away that money did not change my heart. It did not make me generous. And that's the point here. We need grace. We need the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts for us to be generous. So number one, generosity is a result of grace. Number two, generosity is not controlled by our circumstances. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction... Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. You know, you would think, right, that this text would say, I want you to know about what's happening in Macedonia because God has richly blessed them. And they have tons of money and they have big houses and they have nice cars and they have been so nice to give tons of money out of their abundance. But that's not what happens here. What's happening in Macedonia, right, we saw on the map, what's happening up there is the Roman government is wreaking havoc on the Macedonians. And it's not coming down from the emperor, but it's this localized persecution that is causing the Macedonians to not only be persecuted, but also to be in extreme poverty. If you look at that on the recipe card, that doesn't add up, right? Like, Persecution plus extreme poverty equals generosity. That's not generally how we see it. And Paul's using this as an example for us to say, hey, generosity is a heart issue. It is about what you believe in your heart, what the Holy Spirit has done. It is not dictated by what you have and what your circumstances are. It doesn't flick on and off with our circumstances. And honestly, like that's, I was, I was in, at that point in life, I had some circumstances financially that were causing me to not be generous, right? Because my heart hadn't changed. So I was, I had just come out of college. I was getting ready to get married. I was beginning my employment here. I had credit card debt that I brought to the table. My wife brought credit card debt to the table. She had master's debt. I had tons of undergrad debt. And so we were pushing 70, 80,000 in debt that we had to deal with. 
And I, you know, I was just out of college. I didn't know how to manage money. I was, so I made a little list in a notebook paper and I looked at my wife and I said, this is not going to work. We don't, we don't even have close to enough money coming in between the two of us to pay our bills. And yet you want me to give to the church. It's always provided. She had way more faith than I did. And so again, like I continued to try to try and give to make her happy. But I was looking at the circumstances and going, this doesn't work. We're not going to be able to pay the bills, much less go on a date. And maybe you're here this morning and that's where you're at. And I want to empathize with you. I know I talk loud, but don't, don't hear me like not empathizing. I know that, man, as a pastor, I hear a ton of stories. I know that are people here that have lost their jobs and that have been laid off and that have medical bills that continue to mount. People who have experienced loss and death. And what can happen so easily is we can allow those things to determine whether or not we are generous. When Paul is saying, these people were probably being beaten and criticized. They had to have their meetings in the dark at night and they're extremely poor. And yet here they are being generous. And I don't know how that works out in your life. I don't have like a one, two, three prescription for how you have low income and are generous. But I know that when God does something in our heart, we can be generous. We can give in many different ways. But this text tells us that our circumstances ought not to dictate whether or not we're generous. If Christ is in you, generosity will come out of you. So generosity is a result of grace. It is not controlled by circumstances. Third, it defies human wisdom. Verse two, so for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And so here's what's happening. Paul gives us two examples. He said, first, they gave according to their means, which we get. In America, we get this, right? You make this much money. Let's say there's a, you know, a pile of money here, and you, have the, and you have all of these bills, expenses, stuff here in the middle. This is what comes out of that pile of money. And then over here, we have whatever may happen to be left over that you know, we buy stuff with, or you know, we treat ourselves, or we maybe give some of it away. We can afford to give this money away. Giving this money away does not affect whether or not we can pay our bills. We get that. Giving within your means. It would seem wise to do that. And generally it is. But what Paul's saying is in this situation, they give beyond their means. So again, they're being persecuted, they're extremely poor, and they're giving more than they can afford. This middle, paying bills, eating food, gas in the car type stuff is not being met because the, the, the level of giving over here is more than they can afford. And so why does Paul use this as an example for us? I think he uses this as an example for a couple reasons. One, we get caught, especially in America, into... This area of my life 
the, 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 the bills that I need to pay and the things that I need to take care of are my responsibility. We need generally zero faith to pay our bills until something difficult happens. But Paul's saying what happened here is these people stretched themselves so far that they couldn't eat food. They couldn't pay the bills. They couldn't take care of the things that they owned because they had given so extravagantly. And what I'm not saying here is that you should live foolishly. But what I am saying here is that Paul uses this example because there are times in our life where God wants to stretch our faith in the fact that he will provide for us. And so we give away things, we give away money to take care of other people and trust God to take care of us. We give away money to take care of other people that we can't afford. And we trust God to take care of us. When we were first married, I was giving a little bit of money and lo and behold, the momentum campaign came up. And you may remember that if you've been here for a while, if you've not, these balconies were not always here and we were doing some things to advance some other ministries. And so we did a capital campaign and my wife said, we need to give to the capital campaign. And I said, oh no, we don't. (laughs) So we fought about it. And uh, finally, I was like, fine, you give 25 bucks out of your check, I'll give 25 bucks out of my check, 50 bucks, that'll look good on the donation card, everybody will be happy. And so we wrote this down, and I remember we're sitting right here where Rob is sitting, and uh, Wayne and Gail Douglas were up here, and we were praying and just asking God that he would have his way, that the Holy Spirit would move if we were supposed to give more or give less or whatever, that we would do that, and I could not escape the Holy Spirit in that moment, and like, I just knew that I was supposed to give more money, and I knew I couldn't afford it, and I leaned over to Linda, and I said, hey, I think we're supposed to give more money. She said, yeah, I do too. So I said, you write down your number, I'll write down my number, then we'll switch, we'll see, hoping that hers hers will be lower than mine, right? (laughs) And I go, oh yeah, you know, your your number, you don't even need to see mine, good. But she wrote down $100 a month, I wrote down $200 a month, because like that number just stuck in my brain, and I couldn't escape it, and I knew there's no way this is going to fit the budget, and she kind of, whoa, 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 and I was like, oh, how about that? (laughs) Joe, he's got a little more faith in you now, don't I? You know, but I did this, right, and she said, hey, if that's, if that's what God is telling you to do, then that's what we need to do, and so I took the card, and I put it in the thing, And for two years, I gave that $200 a month. And I'll tell you what, there were some some months where it was tight. It was real tight. Um, But God provided. And I always look back to that season of time. It's like, I always use this illustration. Like, my hands were like this over my stuff. And for those two years, it was like, as I gave away that $200 to CVC every month, my hands began to open up. And not just to open up, but to extend outward. And as I gave beyond what I thought my means were, grace continued to be extended to me. And lo and behold, the Holy Spirit worked in me a new heart of generosity that I didn't have before. 
And I'm telling you, you want that. You do, like, when the Bible tells us later, later here, it's, it's in the same letter, 2 Corinthians. Paul says, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> what kind of people are cheerful givers? Right? Like, that's what I thought, right? Who's going to say, here, take my money? Yay! Right? I'm telling you what. There was something about when grace is extended to you and generosity begins to come out of you that is supernatural and incredible. And so they gave beyond their means. And so I just wonder how many of us live like this. How many of us have ever lived like this? Folks in here that you have plenty of money, just because you give away a lot of, a lot of money does not mean that you're generous. That's a great way for Satan to deceive us. Well, hey, I give money away, I'm generous. Mm-mm. When's the last time you stretched yourself to that point where you gave away more than you really could afford? If you make a lot of money, there's some folks in here that make a lot of money right? If you, give, if you gave away more money than you could afford to kingdom purposes, it would be a lot of money. <laughs> and that's scary, right? For, for poor people to give away more than they can afford, like, it's probably not a lot of money. But for rich people to give away more than they can afford, ho, ho, ho. But imagine what kind of kingdom work could be done and imagine what kind of grace and joy you would experience if you stretched your faith like that. In his book, Forgotten God, Francis Chan tells this really cool story. He says, a few months ago, I was speaking at a summer camp, and I was speaking to one of the organizations there that sponsors children, and a volunteer told me about a 16-year-old girl there at the camp who sponsors 14 children on her own. I was astonished by this. 14 children at about 30 bucks a month per child is a lot of money for a high school student. If you do the math, I actually did it because I wanted to know. It's a little over 5,000 bucks for the year. So I talked to the girl, and I asked her how she did it. She told me that she works year-round and works three jobs in the summer to pay for her child support. While other teenagers are saving for a car, she is saving lives. Instead of spending her hard-earned money on herself and her future, she gives it to these 14 children because she believes that God loves them just as much as he loves her. Isn't that incredible? And I read that story and I, started to th- and, I, and I started to think to myself, if my daughter told me that she was going to do that, would I talk her out of it? Would I say, honey, you should really be saving for college? Or would I say, honey, you should put some money in the bank? Or would I say, honey, you need to start saving for a car? God forgive us. If we talk our children out of generosity and try to convince them of the American dream. We need to be stretching ourselves and giving beyond our means because it elevates our faith. It is not a result of grace, or sorry, generosity is a result of grace, is not controlled by our circumstances, defies human wisdom, and next, it is not coerced. Verse three, for they gave according to their means as I can testify and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. I want you to focus on that of their own accord. It is important that you understand that true generosity and giving is not something that is done under compulsion or that is coerced. Why? Because if you're giving under compulsion or out of duty, it's an, it's an evidence that heart change has not happened. 
If I give this money because I'm supposed to, who cares? Right, that's, that's where I was. I was giving money because my wife wanted me to. Sometimes we give it because we've grown up in, this, in some sort of religious institution where like, if you don't give, you're frowned upon or you're in trouble. That is not the message of the new covenant in Jesus Christ. The message of the new covenant is not, you better give me your 10%. Wrong. The message under Jesus Christ in the new covenant, in the New Testament is, how would you not be generous given that Christ has given everything to you? The New Testament authors over and over again are like, it's not about the law keeping. It's not about 10%. It's about overflowing generosity that comes out of a heart that says, Jesus Christ gave his life for me. There should be freedom in our giving, not compulsion in our giving. There will be more on the web about the tithe, if you'd like to talk about that more, interact with that more. But for now, it's good enough to know that true generosity, according to Paul here, is not money that is coerced or given out of duty. Next, generosity is focused on God, then people. Verse 5 says, and this was not what we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Now, what what does this mean? Like, to God first, then people. What's happening here is the Macedonians were so lavishly generous because God was working in them. And so they were were out of their grace-given faith, they were giving to the church in, in, in Jerusalem. Now, why does this matter for us? It matters for us because we can tend to give to people first and God next, or not even put God in the equation, because we love to be a part of a cause. We love to be a part of saving people and rescuing people and it makes us feel good inside and all like that's not bad. There's a family here recently at our church that had a fire and they lost everything and the outpouring of this church was incredible. Literally within a week, they had a house and everything they needed in the house. It was awesome. But I wonder, I I just wanna challenge this. Not that that's bad, that is good. But was that generosity extended because we have Christ in us or because we like to be a part of a cause to say, hey, look at what my church did. I'm not, don't, don't hear me saying that was bad. I'm saying, let us be careful. Let us be careful that jumping on a bandwagon is not our first goal. That, that Christ and giving because of the grace of the of the grace that he has given us is our first primary goal. Generosity next is part of our sanctification. If you don't know what that word means, sanctification is the theological word for like um, growing in Christ likeness, right? We want as we grow in our faith, we want to grow in Christ likeness. And so Paul encourages the Corinthians because they are growing and he wants them to grow in their generosity as well. In verse six, he says, accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. So Titus is going in front of them and he's gonna, he's gonna help and encourage them. Verse seven, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. 
I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. And so what he's saying, what he's saying to you, CVC, is, hey, I've seen you guys that you're growing in your faith. You're growing in the way that you spend time in God's word. You're growing in your prayer life. You're growing in the way that you interact with people. And I want you to grow in generosity too. It is a part of your Christian growth, your growth in Christ-likeness, your sanctification. That if you give, if you give some money, like I give my 10% to the church, that should not be it for the rest of your life. What Paul is saying, we should always be growing in that. One of the ways that I try to do this is with my spiritual growth plan. Maybe you've heard that word here before. At the beginning of every year, we try to sit down and go, what are my goals, spiritual goals for the year? And every year, I try to give a little bit more money to somewhere. I'll give you, I'll give you some insight on my finances because I don't care, right? I give, I give 10% to this church, not because... Um, I feel like that's what I have to give, but it's a good biblical idea, right? It's, it's an Old Testament that they would give 10% to the Levites, to the priests, to the church. And so that's what I do. It's not um, a bad idea to tithe. But what the Bible is saying is that our giving should exceed the tithe, right? Our generosity should exceed that. But I give 10% here to CVC every time that I get paid. And then I give um, to a friend of mine who runs a Christian camp in Pennsylvania, um, I've given to Youth for Christ. Um, I, I've, I've helped with our church plants. And I'm not talking about I'm giving these guys stacks of cash. I'm talking about like 10, 15 bucks here, 20 bucks here, 25 bucks here. I don't have a lot of money. And like, you know, I remember when Andy went out and he started Renew Communities, I started giving him 20 bucks a month. And really, in the grand scheme of things, 20 bucks a month isn't a whole lot to start, to, to start a church plant. But you know what? Maybe that 20 bucks gets Andy coffee at a coffee shop for a week where he can sit down and share the gospel with somebody. Hallelujah. $20 well spent. And so I wanted to, I wanted to just share with you guys some of the ways that it might work itself out. Like, because maybe you're here and you go, hey, you've convinced me, man. I'm going to seek the Lord for grace and I want to begin to give more. And so here, here are a few things. One, I want to encourage you, if you're not giving, to give to the church. And here's, here's why. Right? Like, it costs money to be in this room, to have the lights on, for it to be warm, for it to be a place where you can invite people to come and experience new life in Christ, right? To pay our pastors and our children's people. Like, that is an important thing to do. But even more so, here's what's even cooler. Here's some of the stuff that CVC does with our dollars, it's like, it's like the best mutual fund ever, okay? We give to the Southern Baptist Cooperative Program, which funds all six of the Southern Baptist seminaries. So when you give here, you give to the seminaries to help young pastors grow and learn. You give to the North American Missions Board. You give to the International Missions Board, which is a Southern Baptist missions organization, which is the best in the world. So when you give dollars here, you're giving there. Also, we're giving to church plants. We're giving to Forever Home Adoption, Love, Inc., Cleveland Pregnancy Center, Laura's Home, Ghana uh, Baptist uh, Commission, Medical Missions, Harvesters International, Love and Hope Children's Home, Prison Ministry, Campus Crusade, Youth for Christ, and on and on it goes. So it's like, hey, if you don't know where to start, where should I give my money? This is a great place to start. One, because if this is your church home, 
We want to give so that we can continue to invite people to new life in Christ here, to fund what we need to do here, but also because it's going out all over the place. And I'm thankful for, for Greg and Pastor Rick and the, and, and the ladies in the finance office that make all of that happen. I'm telling you what, folks, this place is financially squeaky clean. And that's good to know, that when you give your money here, it is safe and it is being taken care of. I know it because the finance ladies always hunt me down to make sure I have every single receipt. <laughs> Maybe you need to repurpose your giving somewhere else. Because here's, here's the thing, like we can, we can drill wells and we can feed people and we can clothe people and we can give them small business loans, but if they don't have the gospel, it doesn't matter. We can keep people alive and they can go straight to hell. And so maybe you need to repurpose your giving to some place that is feeding people and advancing the gospel, clothing people and sharing with them the good news of Christ. Maybe you need to look at your finances and repurpose some of that. Maybe you need to just stop raising your standard of living. Because here's the thing, right? This pile of money that we talked about earlier, it goes into these two piles. Expenditures, bills, and giving play money. Here's the thing. If our standard of living would go down, our giving could go up. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you give a lot already, but maybe you need to lower your standard of living so that you can give more. Is giving a part of your sanctification? Have you experienced that grace? Are you not giving out of compulsion? There's so much here to dig into, and I'm out of time. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just, I'm going to pray and ask you to pray that the Holy Spirit will begin to work on your heart and to tell you what you need to do. I, I, there's so many different financial situations here, so many different sets of circumstances, and you're all on different journeys in your Christian walk. And I'm just, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to challenge you to do this. I'm going to challenge you to go home if you have a spouse or if you have a family, I'm just going to ask you when you sit down at dinner some night this week that you, would, that you would begin to pray and say, God, how do you want to grow generosity in us? And maybe it's just, a, maybe just start giving a little bit of money. Hallelujah. My prayer for you is that as you begin to give and that the Holy Spirit begins to work on your heart, that just like it happened to me, that your hands would begin to open. I say to our students all the time, live life with open hands. At summer camp this past year, I told one of our students, I said, I know you, and I know that you're gonna go be an engineer, and you're gonna make a ton of money, and I wanna challenge you to give as much of it as you can away for the causes of Christ. I'm gonna close with this, the final point. Generosity is an overflow of gratitude. Verse eight, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor. That you, by his poverty, might become rich. That's the greatest generosity on the planet. Ever, that the king of the world who needed nothing because of his great love for you and me would say, I will leave heaven. I will leave the riches and the comfort and the presence of my father and I will come to the earth because I love these people. And he doesn't come in some grand entrance. He literally comes into 
poverty, born into a barn because there's not room for him anywhere. And he lives a life that is perfect. He never sins. So that in a couple years, he might walk up a hill and lay down his life by being crucified on a cross for your sin and for my sin. <laughs> and he got nothing in return. You and I gave him nothing. And yet he literally opened his hands in generosity so that the penalty for your sin and for my sin could be taken away. How would we not be generous? How would we not be generous? <laughs> Maybe you're here today and you've never, you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never heard this story. You've never allowed Christ to come into your life, asked him to forgive your sins and repented. I said at the beginning that I want to convince you that it's the best decision that you'll ever make. Generosity has been extended to you in the most lavish fashion available. And that Jesus Christ has offered you, he's offered you eternity in heaven. And all you have to do is give up your sinful, dirty, lost life. Trade. Like I said earlier, like that, that doesn't add up. But that's what Jesus Christ has offered to you, that he became poor so that you might become rich. And so if that's you this morning, I wanna invite you to give your life to Christ. And there's not like a super fancy prayer. You don't have to come up and kneel down. You don't have to do some hand signals. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe. I believe that that is true. I believe that you came and you lived a sinless life and you died so that my sins could be forgiven. Would you come? Would you come into my life and would you forgive my sins? I turn away from that old life. I want to live new. And if you do that, there's, there's a card that is in your program. We'll just ask, you can, you, can, you can look at some of the Bible verses that talk about that. We're just going to ask that you would fill it out. If you don't get it done by the time the offering passes to stick it in the thing, that's okay. You can put it up here on the front. You can meet one of our ushers in the back. But we want to know that you made that decision because we want to follow up with you. I want to tell you what it means to be a Christ follower. I want to help you learn to read the Bible and pray. And if you've already made that decision, if you are a Christ follower, CVC, if Christ is in you, generosity will come out of you. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. You have been more generous to us than we can ever imagine. Jesus, that you would lay down your life on our behalf for your enemies is astounding. And so God, I just pray. I pray for myself as I continue to battle the greed of my sinful nature. God, and I pray for CVC. We're generous, we're generous people. 
to some extent, but I, got, I ask, Lord, that you would grow us, that your Holy Spirit would move on hearts today and this week and would convict us of the areas where we are giving because we're under compulsion or because it's the right thing to do or because I'm a businessman, I'm supposed to. Or, Lord, forgive us for when, when we have lack or when our circumstances aren't great, we decide to turn off the generosity key. God, would you work in us grace that surpasses all of that, that generosity would flow out of us because we have received generosity lavishly. We love you. In your name we pray.